When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. Wake up and smell the coffee, you fossil. My mistake. I thought since you looked like Yoda, you were also wise. You Jackson? You look like a Jackson. That will make you Frank Ducks. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like put up your Dukes, right? And welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier Host, and today we have two great contestants ready to compete for ultimate slacker prizes, and in the process, do their part to save Generation X from being forgotten. Are you ready to do your part? Yeah. Yes. That's more for the audience uh, listening, but I'm glad you guys I'm are listening. ready. Yeah, I'm listening too, right <laughs> now. Well, you're part of the audience then. Yeah. Please play along with the contestants while you listen and see what rad prize you would have wanted if you were here with us saving Generation X from fading unto oblivion. We're so happy you've chosen to join us, and I'm sure you're going to get a nice dose of nostalgia and maybe a few laughs along the way. So if everyone's ready, let's start the show. I am super excited to have my two guests who are hosts of a wonderful podcast called Retro Rewind Podcast. One is a millennial and the other is a Gen Xer. So we'll see how this battle of the generations turns out. Not to worry for those listening who are not a Gen Xer either, because there is something here for everyone. But if you like reminiscing about video games of Generation X, Weird Al Yankovic, and the movies The Karate Kid and any three of the Indiana Jones movies in the entire franchise, trust me, then this is an episode you might especially like. Especially like. We're going to save the pop culture nostalgia of Generation X from being forgotten today with these two good friends and acclaimed podcasting partners. Let's give a very quick hello to each of them now. Let's first welcome Paul. Hi, Paul. Hi, I am PaulJPowers.com. You can find me at PaulJPowers.com. What are the odds that would happen? It's weird. <laughs> I'm shocked that that was still available. I lucked out on that one. Wow. 
Let's right. also welcome Paul's Gen Y millennial co-host of his show, Francisco. Hi, Francisco. Thanks for making it. Hey, Zay. Thanks for having me. I prefer Xennial personally, but that's Gen Y. Okay. Uh, and hey, all you rad Gen Xers, I'm ready to go back in time and show Paul here that I ain't afraid of no co-host. Uh-huh. <laughs> that's a Ghostbusters <laughs> reference, Paul. I'm sure you didn't get that. Whatever. <laughs> here, I'll, I'll say something for your generation. As if. What? <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't understand. Oh, stewardess. I speak jive. Oh, good. But before we meet them properly, let's give a quick overview of the games we'll be playing today. If you're new to the show, this is how we play. The show is broken up into three rounds of trivia and games. Whoever has the most points will win a chance at today's ultimate slacker prize. Before we start round one, I'd like to remind everyone that the power struggle is once again in effect for this episode. In the opening of the show, you heard five quick clips, and the game is you will need to name those five clips in the order that they were played on the show. It could be from a movie, a song, a TV show, or whatever. But surely, they're all from Generation X. And don't call me Shirley. And the game is that at any time during the episode, contestants can interrupt the game and declare that they want to solve the power struggle. They only get one chance to answer correctly. And if they are correct, then they instantly steal the power away from their opponent. Yeah. However, if a guest gets it wrong here on the show, then we're going to open it up to all of you listening to this episode to contact the show and see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the show via our new newsletter will be entered into a drawing to win the prize package from the podcast. So stick around to see if our guests can get it correct or not. And then I'll explain how you can send in your entry to try and win it. We'll play the clip a couple of times during this episode. So listen close and see if you can win the power struggle. We're going to jump right into round one now and get the games rolling. Round one. Hey guys, you know, you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both. And there we have the first game of the day. It's a game we call the facts of life. The time is right to learn the facts of life. In this game, we take a crowdsourced opinion about a topic, and players must take turns to identify them on a top 10 list. An incorrect answer gets you a strike, and the players that get three strikes lose the round. The winner of the round will be awarded the power. The power. Which allows a player who has it to make all the choices in the game first and wins all ties. You will also get one point for each correct answer in this round, okay? All right. So, for listeners at home, Paul and Francisco have a very popular podcast, and I I really appreciate the craftsmanship that goes into it. Oh, uh, they you. play a lot of sound effects like like we do on our podcast yeah. here, and they've actually plugged in to uh, our audio capturing device. And so they're going to be playing sound effects as well. So we're going to have like dueling sound effects going on. So don't get confused if you're listening, uh, <laughs> whether these sound effects are coming from me or them. And uh, we'll, we'll see how, how this works out or not. The Nintendo Entertainment System. Now you're playing with power. The Nintendo Entertainment System, or NES, is regarded by many as the most important console in the history of home gaming. I believe it. You would. Sure, earlier machines such as the mighty Atari 2600 pioneered the basic concept of the under the TV console with interchangeable software, but the utilitarian design and hardware innovations of the Nintendo's 8-bit system set the stage for modern console gaming. Following the video game crash of 1983, the NES defied naysayers and single-handedly saved the home gaming console industry right after the near implosion caused by E.T. the Extraterrestrial for the Atari. Mm. First sold in the U.S. in 1985, the Nintendo Entertainment System introduced some of the most widely known mascots and franchises to the world that are still relevant to this day. Mm. This episode's Facts of Life list asks, what are the greatest Nintendo video game franchises of Generation X? Oh my gosh. Okay. With a massive library of over 700 titles, where do you even start if you want to rank these games? Right. Oh, I don't worry. The judges and I played all 716 titles all the way through in preparing for this episode and narrowed it down to the top 10 rankings of 
of the greatest NES games of all time. That's impressive. Okay. Well, we really didn't play them all just for this episode. But we did scour <gasps> yeah! the interwebs. We did scour the interwebs and found 15 different lists of the greatest NES games. These lists were curated by the most notable names in console gaming, including a survey that was put out by Nintendo itself a few years back. The judges then aggregated all 15 lists together to come up with this list for this episode. As always, your favorites may not rank as high as you'd like, or at all in some cases, but you take the good and you take the bad. Such is the facts of life. Mm. The list rules are that these are all game titles released in the U.S. for the Nintendo Entertainment System during the 80s and 90s. All sequels to a game franchise have been condensed into one entry on the list. For okay. example, if the list was about the best cabinet arcade games, all the Pac-Man titles would be included together into one single entry, if that makes sense to you guys. Uh, yes. And the last rule here is that if you guess what is number 69 on the list, then we'll count that as a correct answer as well, and you won't get it straight. <laughs> okay. Makes sense. So if you bomb out that bad, we will reward failure. 69, okay. dudes. So tell me, guys, what are the greatest Nintendo video game franchises of Generation X? We played a stressful round of Milton Bradley's board game Perfection backstage to see who goes first. And and Paul could not quite get the inverted S shape to fit in before the timer ran out, which gave the win to Francisco. Push the plunger down, set the timer, fit the pieces in place. Don't be slow in perfection. You've got to move on fast, move on fast. So Francisco, please get us started. Age before but, beauty. No, it's more about my amazing spatial recognition uh, abilities, but uh, I'm going to go with probably the most popular Super Mario Brothers. That is correct. Some low-hanging fruit there, I think. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Not only is it one of the very best and most iconic video games ever conceived, but having shipped out with the majority of the NES consoles, Super Mario Brothers quickly became synonymous with the NES itself. Mm. For many, the NES was the machine that played Mario, not the other way around. Yeah. So that's one point yes. for you, Francisco. Over to Sweet. you, PaulJPowers.com. Woohoo. Uh, I'll say Legend of Zelda. Get these easy ones out of the way. Yeah. A little flexing there. <laughs> easy crush, Legend of Zelda. An expansive overworld you can get lost in, pointy-eared heroes, dungeons to plunder, and magical weapons to wield, not to mention the ability to save your damn game every now and then. It's truly amazing to play this game today and count the ways that it so clearly was ahead of its time. Mm. Agreed? Yeah. Oh, yes, yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, no strikes for either of you. Back to you, Francisco. Uh, I'm going to go with Metroid next. Metroid? That is also correct. Listeners, so just to pull back the curtain a little bit, Retro Rewind podcast, they go into some deep dives about video games. So we've never had a clean sweep on you the facts of life. <laughs> we'll see. I'm building you guys up. Let's see if you guys can deliver. He says so that building right you guys up to, to fail. fail. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Metroid is correct. Still no strikes. It was a rad game. Moving on. Back to you, PaulJPowers.com. I'll say Street Fighter. Street Fighter for the NES? That is incorrect. Oh, yeah. <laughs> As for the SNES. I mean, they did. Was it on the NES? I, I, I don't know the if the first, first one. one debuted. I was thinking the first one. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> I don't believe uh, Street Fighter was out until the Super NES. Came yeah, out. nothing to see here, folks. Move along. <laughs> you lose. One strike for you, Paul. It's not a big deal. Back to you, Francisco. Mm -hmm. No strikes. What do you got? I'm going to say... And a game that I think actually is more visually stunning than uh, Super Mario Brothers 3, and that's Kirby. 
Uh, I think that that would be what that started a whole franchise. A little pink round thing is more appealing to you, huh? Okay. It started a big, uh, like a whole series and it spawned. Uh, all right, all right. I'm not saying your answer is wrong. I'm just saying it's, well, I weak. guess I can start complaining to Zabe here. If I get well, this let's, let's see judges. I'm sorry. What Zabe judges. I'm sorry. You would not have Smash Brothers without Hal Laboratories who made Kirby. So go back to your list. Stop whining. All right, Zay. I'll tell you what. I'll pick up the pieces again and say Mega Man. Mega Man, number three on the list. So that's another point for you, Paul. So that's two points apiece. By the way, Kirby's Adventure was number 22 on the list. So it was not totally ignored. That's pretty high. It's in the, the top half. One strike apiece. It's Francisco's turn. So I'm going to try to rise from the ashes like my co-host here and say Castlevania. Oh, that was my next pick. Good <laughs> job. It was a good job because that's number four. Yes. Well done. Thank you. Thank you. So that's another correct answer for you with Castlevania. Going back to you, Paul, only one strike. Free swing here. There are still five oh. answers remaining. Yeah, it's getting more obscure now. Exactly, so I'm going to go through an obscure title and guess Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because there was the arcade and the original. And the first but, one. And the yes. third one. There are three games. So I don't know if it yeah. made the list, though. It made the list, but on number 30. Sorry. Oh, uh, it's still going for number 69. <laughs> okay, so back to you, Francisco. Only one strike. Free swing for you. All right. I'm going to... I think oh. we're down to per people's personal, yeah. personal preferences, but, but you'll you'll know every name on this list. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to stay with uh, Konami and go with... Even though I know Konami did Turtles, they did Castlevania, but I'm going to go with Contra. For Dang it. That was also my next one. <laughs> Contra oh. is correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Nice one. Thank you. Oh, it's back to me. <laughs> well, let me read my fun fact. Yes, go for it. The original Contra was an ideal scenario for crossover fans of action movies and video games in the 1980s. The environments and weaponry, along with all the studly protagonists that you could control, all made you feel like you were the star of your very own excessive 80s action film. Although the game offers a fairly decent challenge, the experience of kicking serious alien ass can be had by less talented players. Thanks to the legendary Konami code implementation gives you 30 lives to burn through as you please up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right. BA start. That was my or notes. select start for two players. Is it select yeah. start for two players? I don't think yes. I knew that. Okay. Select start for two players. The more you know. Okay. Did I stall enough time for you to think, Paul? Unfortunately, yes, but it didn't do me any good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Man, this is a great question. Yes. Specifically picked for you two guys. Well, while Paul's saying, can we go back to that Kirby? Because I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> this bickering is pointless. So in the aggregate, Kirby made it the top 10 on several of these lists. But oh, okay. it, it was left off of another one. So it, it suffered by being left off of a whole list of one of them. Gotcha. Okay, that makes sense. So there are four answers remaining. Paul, you have two strikes. It's winner go home right here. Um, this is for the power. I'm packing my bags, unfortunately, because <laughs> I know when I've been beat. But um, I'm going to uh, I'll throw out Pac-Man because I'm stumped. <laughs> <laughs> Pac-Man is incorrect. That means, Francisco, you have won round one. And that yeah. means you have the power. The power is yours. I'm only it loaning sorry. it to you because, you know, my last name. Is I have more powers. than you I have, have more than you one, have so I have enough to spare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so let's go down the top ten list and see what you missed. Uh, number one was Mario Brothers. 
two was Legend of Zelda, three was Mega Man, four Castlevania, five was Metroid. Mm-hmm. Number six, you guys did not get, which was Mike Tyson's Punch Out. That what there's one game. It was very popular. One game, though, Francisco. How is that franchise if there's only one game? On they say system. that there are all sequels. I thought you did. Oh, I, I said all then. the sequels go down to one. Not that yes. they were all sequels. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's kind of like Street Fighter. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And Kirby. <laughs> yeah. So number seven, you guys did not get, which was Ninja Gaiden. If you remember that one. Yes. All right. That's fair. Yeah. I love that one. That one is good because it had sequels. It anyway. did. <laughs> <laughs> so number eight might be a little bit more obscure for some people. Bionic Commando. Did you guys play Definitely. that one growing up? Uh, no, I didn't. I know of it, but exactly. I chose not to play it. I was too busy <laughs> playing Mega Man. Number 10 was Contra. Number nine, you guys did not get. And this is a game that I think every person on the planet who was alive during this era played. And that was a game called Tetris. I was going to guess Tetris. That'd be my next guess. If you guys like that list? Oh, yeah. yeah. That's good. Except for Kirby not being on it. Well, you know, you got to take the bad with the good. That's I guess true. It's the facts of life. It <laughs> is the facts of life. It's true. For those of you playing at home, number 69 was Metal Gear. Oh, of course. Much better on the uh, PS2, I think. Yes, with Kyle Reese on the cover. Yeah. Okay, guys, here is the power struggle. You guys ready for your first listen to it? Yes. Here it is. Wake up and smell the coffee, you fossil. (laughs) My mistake. I thought since you looked like Yoda, you were also wise. You Jackson? You look like a Jackson. That will make you Frank Ducks. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like put up your Dukes, right? So frustrating because I know three of them, but I don't oh, I have to right. know all five, huh? Yep, you got to get all five. I was watching you guys' expressions as I played that first one, and I had the exact same expression the first time I heard it because my wife made this uh, power struggle, this power struggle question. And uh-huh. when she played that first one for me, I'm like, oh, I know this. This is like but in my heart, you? but do I? And I made yeah, a guess yeah. and I was incorrect. It sounds like Super Mario <laughs> Brothers 2, but, but it's, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll see how well you guys do. We'll play it a couple more times. Maybe it'll maybe it'll come to you as we go. Okay. Before we start round two, let's take a moment to better meet our contestants. The judges are the gatekeepers of all things Gen X here on the show. And to that end, they are requesting to know from our contestants about their Gen X credentials. Remember, you don't necessarily have to be a Gen Xer to still own some credentials. Good to know. That is apart from being born between 1965 and 1980, what qualifies you to claim yourself as part of Generation X and what might potentially disqualify you from being Gen X? Mm. Please welcome to the show, Francisco. I can already tell you one of your disqualifiers, but I'll let you go in there. Please tell us a little bit more about yourself. Please include your Gen X qualifiers and potential disqualifiers. 
Yes. Hi, everyone. I'm Francisco. I'm a graphic designer by day and a podcaster and pixel artist by, well, later in the day because I'm not really a night <laughs> owl. Most people would consider me a Gen Xer because of my plethora of 80s movies that I've seen. I also credit Super Mario Brothers, the first one on the Nintendo, on the NES, uh, with making me a morning person because I had to beat my brothers to the system so that I'd be the first one to try to get further and further, even though inevitably they beat the game before I did. But, uh, but if, you, if you're getting super specific... <laughs> Being super specific, I am technically not a Gen Xer. I consider myself an Xennial, having been born in 1981. So that's my biggest disqualifier. But you may not like me. You may think I'm no good. You may say that, get out of here, kid. You got no future because you weren't born in the past past enough. Well, I'm here to overcome that kind of rejection with victory. Also, you can take that kind of rejection. All right, good to know. I won't feel bad when I beat you. Whatever. Well, Francisco, although you are not a Gen Xer by our definition, I'm sure you can find any list. If you Google who is a Gen Xer, they'll make room for you on one of these lists, (laughs) one of these timelines. You know, you don't have to look too hard to find. I was born in 2010. I'm a Gen Xer. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I bet that list exists somewhere. If you look. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Zay. Please also welcome pauljpowers.com to the show. Thank you. Paul, please tell us a little bit more about yourself and uh, your Gen X qualifiers and disqualifiers. Yes. Born in the late 70s, kid of the 80s, loved uh, Saturday morning cartoons and cartoons in the afternoon after school. Uh, What qualifies me is I I love the cartoons. I I love Voltron so much. I even have a a Voltron original lion key to the the lion's replica on my keychain right here. Which Um, lion does that unlock? I don't know. I found the key. I just haven't found the lion. Yet, oh. So I have to go, <laughs> you know, explore all these like lavas and underwater places of course, looking for yeah. the lions. My, apparently I'm on the wrong planet. But anyway, what disqualifies me, as some people may think, is that um, growing up, I'm not really into music all that much. At least like mm. I, I listened to the top 40s, but I was never in the 80s. I wasn't really into like the hard rock uh, punk scene or in the 90s. I wasn't into the alternative or grunge Mm-hmm. as a, a lot of the people were so um they're being like hey well, get out of here you're no good but that's fine because i still you know got my key to the, my lion if i can ever find the lion <laughs> <laughs> so to pull back the curtain a little bit on the show i asked my guests to fill out a survey to kind of get to know a little bit more about their gen x things that they liked and things that they knew because mm-hmm. You know, no one likes to be asked questions about stuff they've never heard of before. So I kind of get a vibe for what my guests know that way. And when it came to the music section, both of these contestants turned in goose eggs because (laughs) very little music knowledge was was coming through. So I listened uh, to like Beach Boys and oldies growing up. There's none of that on the (laughs) Temptations and uh, the Supremes. Yeah, there's only like, I think, one music question in this whole episode. So uh, we'll see how this works out. Judges, do these contestants have the proper credentials to continue to be on the show? Okay, great, guys. You guys can stay. Hey, the judges, you said, are the gatekeepers. Does that make you the key master? You're the one with the key, man. Oh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, let's move on to round number two. Round two. Round two is a game we call Eight is Enough. In this game, I will ask a total of eight questions, four to each of our contestants. Points are awarded for each correct answer, two points for a complete correct answer, and one pity point for a partial correct answer. At any time, players can appeal the judges to make a ruling for a partial correct answer and try to make their case through loud arguments. Players take turns answering questions with a chance to steal if their opponent answers incorrectly. A steal is worth one point, but more importantly, a steal also takes the power away from their opponent. Whoa. 
The judges require all questions must be given an answer, no matter how incorrect it might be. So if you say, I don't know, you will lose a point and get slimed. The winner of round three will take a secret trip to the prize vault and choose the prize that you'll both be playing for in round three. Well, you can oh. go ahead and just send me the prize vault right now. <laughs> wow. <laughs> we'll see how it works out, man. <laughs> so far, so far, you're, you're making it. But let me point out that the player that has the power at the end of this round will go first in round three, which is a huge advantage. So mm. make sure you get that power if you can, Paul. Okay, Francisco, you get to go first. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be? Get to the chopper, which is a movie question. Or will it be, it belongs in a museum, which is also <laughs> a movie question. So good. Uh, I guess I'll go with, get to the chopper. Yeah. After Rocky IV had been released, it became a joke in Hollywood that the only opponent Rocky had yet to fight was E.T. And if there was a fifth movie, the writers would have to find their villain from somewhere in space. And thus, the concept for the movie Predator was born. Of course, Predator is much more than Rocky versus Alien. Arnold Schwarzenegger wanted the movie to be team-centric instead of just man against monster. Ultimately, the film became about a team of commandos masterfully combining their action-adventure with horror and sci-fi genres. In the movie, Dutch's team of commandos are killed off one by one by the hunter in the jungle, who is the first of Dutch's military rescue team to be killed <laughs> by the predator. Is it A, Blaine, B, Hawkins, C, Mac, D, Billy, or is it E, Apollo Creed? <laughs> if he dies, he dies. Yes, Hawkins, B, final answer. That is correct. That's two points for you, Francisco. Thank you. Major, you better take a look at this. Did you find Hawkins? I, I can't tell. Here's the fun fact. When Anna, the captured guerrilla fighter, tries to escape from Dutch's team, Hawkins manages to catch her. It is then that the Predator makes his first move on the group of commandos. It kills Hawkins, but spares Anna, giving Dutch and the audience the first clue about the motives of the jungle hunter. But just like that bully in fourth grade, it picked on the kid with glasses first. Yeah. Okay, Paul, this question is for you. It's called It Belongs in a Museum. It is a movie question about Indiana Jones. Let's go. George Lucas wrote the early versions of what would become Indiana Jones in the early 70s, but he wasn't able to really revisit his idea until after the release of Star Wars several years later. Yeah. With the help of his buddy, Steven Spielberg, Lucas was able to bring Indy to life and Raiders of the Lost Ark was released in 1981. Lucas was becoming increasingly interested in exploring Indy's past, especially his relationship with his father, which became the central plot point of The Last Crusade, which was the third and most recent Indiana Jones movie. <laughs> it also involved... <laughs> Ever, yeah. There's no other yeah. one. Nope, there's only three. <laughs> it also involved casting a teenage Indiana Jones for a flashback scene. Yes. What child star was cast on Harrison Ford's recommendation to play a young Indiana Jones... River Phoenix. River Phoenix is absolutely a thousand percent correct. Well done, Paul. Well done. Do I get bonus points since I didn't have multiple choice read to me? Wow. <laughs> a one who has and needs the power. <laughs> no, but you do get two points. Okay. Harrison Ford had worked with River Phoenix in the film, The Mosquito Coast. Yes. And said that of the young actors working at the time, River looked most like he did when he was a teen. He said all he was missing was a giant scar on his chin. So during the table read, Ford took out a 12-inch hunting knife and slowly approached River Phoenix before he was stopped by the makeup team that ensured him that they could take care of the scar in a makeup chair. <laughs> well done. So 
So going into the next set of questions, the score is Francisco with six and Paul with four. Francisco, you have retained the power and you get to pick between these two questions. Will it be, there will be no escape for the princess this time, which is a movie question, or will it be, and I'll form the head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm going to go with this. Yeah, I'm going to go with Star Wars. It's because I think even though you're probably going to know the Voltron question, I don't want to lose points. So excuse me, princess. So you're going to hand the guy with the key to a Voltron lion the Voltron question. As long I don't care. I'm ahead. We'll so as long as I get strategy pays right. off or not. <laughs> okay, Francisco, this is your question. There will be no escape for the princess this time. Star Wars was a cultural reset. With this masterpiece, George Lucas elevated his own career as well as the entire science fiction genre, turning it from a niche thing to a major player in Hollywood. The opening fanfare by John Williams, the mysterious setting of a galaxy far, far away, and the screen crawl introduction immediately had viewers transported to an epic fantasy and sci-fi adventure. All of this is immediately followed by revolutionary special effects showing the small rebel ship fighting a massive, larger-than-life Star Destroyer. Here's the question. How long does it take the Star Destroyer to cross the screen in Star Wars' iconic opening scene? Oh, I thought you were asking about Spaceballs. Good. <laughs> That's in the free break for a note. This uh, is a multiple choice for you, San Francisco. Make oh, lucky I'll take dog. that. It's good to have the power. Is it A, 10 seconds? B, 22 seconds? C, 37 seconds or is it d 69 seconds 69 dudes so i was just counting out like out loud as you were saying that and i feel like 22 seconds would just be too long so i'm gonna go with a 10 seconds i'm sorry that is incorrect uh pauljpowers.com can you steal this i don't know The, the options were 10 seconds 22 seconds 37 seconds or 69 seconds. I'm sure I want to go with 10 seconds, right? Go with 10 I want to say 69, but I'm going to go with B. B, 22 seconds is correct. Dang well it. done. <clears throat> that means Paul. you get one point for the steal. And more importantly, Paul, you've just stolen the power. Steal the power. Right, right back. Well, we'll see. Star Wars was famously parodied by Mel Brooks in Spaceballs 10 years later, as was this scene. In Spaceballs, the large enemy ship takes one minute and 32 seconds to cross the screen. Brooks sent an early copy of the screenplay to George Lucas, who loved it so much that he had his special effects team work on the movie and allow the Millennium Falcon a brief appearance. Did you guys know that? I don't think I've seen that. No, that's cool. I didn't know it either before this question. An Easter egg in Spaceballs clearly shows the Falcon parked outside the diner in the scene That's where they parody right. the chest bursting alien. I think I, yes. I thought you meant like is on the ship. Like That's the what ship I thought too. By. Yeah. Okay, yeah. They okay. had this exterior shot of the diner uh-huh. and then, yeah. then they yes. go in and it's parked I outside. I can confirm that is true. Check, please. Check, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well remembered. Okay, Paul, here's your here's your power play right here. You get this question. It's called All Form the Head. This is your opportunity to go ahead in the scores. The score is six to five. So 65, Paul- dudes. <laughs> <laughs> Bad news is it's about Voltron, something you know nothing about. <clears throat> 
As long as it's not vehicle Voltron, I might have a chance. <laughs> what was the car that formed the head? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. In season one of Voltron, Defender of the Universe, Good. the Voltron Force consists of five pilots who control mighty robot lions. Yes. It takes five robots to create Voltron, two yes. for the arms, two for the feet and legs, and one for the body and the head. Yes. Who was the leader of the Voltron Lion Force and the pilot that forms Voltron's head? Is it A, Keith, B, Pidge, C, Lance, D, Princess Allura, or is it E, those lame-ass space mice? Oh, those freaky space mice. It's actually F, PaulJPowers.com. If, <laughs> at, if I can ever find that black line, because I have the key. <laughs> but until then, I'm going to say it's Keith, A. Keith is correct. Well Woo! done. You've taken the lead with seven points. Thanks for giving me that one, Francisco. Yeah, no problem, Paul. Yeah. Here's the fun fact. Keith is the leader of the Voltron Force in season one, and he pilots the Black Lion as he forms the head. And I'll form the head. Love that music. Same. Pumps me up. According to the Voltron wiki page, the English language dub of the show, the mice have names. and The names are Suki, Tweaky, and Cheesy. The other two don't have names, and rightfully so. <laughs> when naming space mice and you get creatively tapped to the point of having to resort to the name cheesy you should probably quit naming mice after that Chucky oh, come on you have Chucky like cheesy. mickey mini i don't know what the problem is <laughs> nobody has time for naming mice when dimotherms are connected mega thrusters are go. <laughs> go you guys are awesome oh i thank you it's awesome being here and getting to play this day. thanks for having us on yeah i like your podcast it's fun Thanks. Mm -hmm. It'd be funner if I win. But okay, so Paul, you have the power now. You get to pick between these two questions. Will it be another one rides the bus, which is a music <laughs> question, yeah. or will it be the movie question called "Call Me Snake"? Oh, I'm gonna do another one rides the bus because I'm not that familiar with Big sure. Trouble in New York. <laughs> <laughs> it's Literally. the thing. Oh yeah, in New that York. That's big trouble. trouble. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Another one rides the bus is the name of this question. Weird Al Yankovic is one of the most beloved entertainers to date. Most famous for his musical parodies, Weird Al is still releasing music and bringing joy to all generations. Even yours, Francisco. <laughs> oh, my God. He's not just loved by music fans, though. Musicians also love Weird Al and consider it a badge of honor when they are parodied by him. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Except for one. <laughs> <laughs> Legally speaking, Weird Al does not have to get permission from the artist before he makes a parody of their work. But as a personal rule and out of respect, he always does. Of course, this means sometimes his parody ideas are turned down, even if the artist is a fan. Paul McCartney is famously a fan of Weird Al, but when he approached for permission to do a parody, he refused. Can you tell us why? This is a multiple oh. choice. Oh, I was about to say. Okay. okay. I know the answer, but go okay, go ahead. All right. For the listeners, Paul. Let's do with food, but go ahead. <laughs> Spoilers. Is it A, a parody of I Want to Hold Your Hand called I Want to Hold Your Ham? And because Paul no longer had the rights to the song after they were purchased by Michael Jackson. Was it B, a parody of Live and Let Die called Chicken Pot Pie? But Paul is a strict vegetarian and didn't think the title was appropriate. Was it C? A parody of Band on the Run called Ham on the Bun. 
However, Paul was unable to convince his label to agree to this parody. Or was it D, a medley of Paul McCartney and Beatles songs set in a polka stylings called Yesterday, but it didn't happen because despite the fact that Paul loves Weird Al's work, he takes his own just too seriously to let it be turned into polka music. What do you got, Paul? Ham on the bun. Would be fun, but not as fun as chicken pot pie, which his answer is B. That is correct. Well done. Well done, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. And two more points for you, Paul. And you've protected the power. Here's All right, fun... Snake. Let's go for it. Let's see what All you right. got. I got yeah, my fun go. fact first. Do not deny oh, me yes. my fun fact. Of oh, chicken pot de- pie. definitely not. Paul's objection to the song was over the title. He offered tofu pot pie as an alternative. <laughs> But Weird Al decided it wouldn't work quite as well. Nah, it doesn't have the same rhythm. (laughs) In spite of his small disagreement, the two musicians remain friends. And Weird Al fondly remembers the day that they met. He was at a party and when he spotted the famous songwriter. But before Weird Al could approach and introduce himself, Paul saw him and announced, Hey, that's Weird Al. That's my horrible Paul McCartney. No, that was good. I liked (laughs) it. I like that too. Uh, Better than mine. (laughs) Yeah, That's when Weird Al knew that he made it and he was a famous musician. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Chicken the judges think the world is worse off for being denied chicken pot pie. Oh, so epic. Special thanks to listener Keith and fan favorite Robert for coming up with the parody titles for Weird Al's parodies in this question. Yeah, thank you. Good job. Good job. Thanks for Robin for writing it. Thank you, Robin. Mm-hmm. I think so Robin he- should get a couple points. Maybe Robin should. Hey, Even maybe take- you should give him some of yours, Francisco. You're losing anyway. You got plenty, Paul. Give your <laughs> points away. For those of you who don't know, Robin is a uh, producer on the show, and she's helping us keep score tonight. And she's Robin. You want to say hi to the listeners? You want to be on the podcast for realsies? Hi, everybody. <laughs> hey, Robin. Hey, Robin. Thanks for doing this. Thanks for of writing course. a lot of these questions, Robin. It's Most a lot of fun. fun. I love doing it. <laughs> oh, they're great questions, indeed. So, Francisco, this is to you. It's called "Call Me Snake." Movie right. question. John Carpenter wrote Escape from New York during the aftermath of the Watergate scandal, feeling oh. inspired by the general feeling of cynicism towards the president of the United States. Great. I just handed you this question, Francisco. That's we'll payback. See, I don't know what the question is yet. It's John Carpenter, you're a big fan. If you lose this, that's like me Wait, losing it's about the, like who's the president during this movie. I, I, go ahead. Oh, yeah. Go. You weren't born yet. Sorry. Oh, who was, <laughs> my God. Who was the Speaker of the House during the Watergate what scandal? What are you talking about? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's not the real question. Uh, (laughs) uh, John Carpenter shelved the project for a few years, feeling it was too weird and violent for any studio to produce. However, after the success of Halloween, Carpenter was given the freedom and resources to make Escape a reality. The movie takes place in New York City, but was largely filmed in St. Louis, of all places. A few scenes were shot in New York, however. One shooting location was particularly a big deal, and Escape from New York was the first film company to get permission to film there. The question is, what iconic New York City location was filmed on site? This is a multiple choice. Okay. Is it A, the World Trade Center? Ooh. B, the Empire State Building? Ah. C, the New York Sewer System? Ooh, go turtles. Or was it D, Statue of Liberty? No, Ghostbusters 2 did that. (laughs) Statue of Liberty. No, don't pick that one. That's what it is. No, this one pick something else. What's your what's your answer, Francisco? Well, D Statue of Liberty, they did film there, and there's like this panning shot where they have a cut where it goes to black, where they're going through this like a little like alcove security thing, and then it goes into Georgia or or St. Louis, excuse me. So so your answer is 
D, Statue of Liberty. If I give you a chance to change your answer, would you? Well, you tried yes. this with someone else and they said, <laughs> no, I'm not going to change. So I'm going to go by that guy. So dance wow, with ourselves. You're so guy. confident in you're your answer. Right. You, have to, you have to go with somebody else's answer. <laughs> that is correct. <laughs> oh, gosh. You have me sway here a little bit. How could you not know that? You just referenced it. <laughs> well, maybe it was like, like a bigger iconic one that I hadn't heard about was like World Trade Center. Is There's a map pain of the world trade center so i don't know if maybe they did shoot at the top of the building and i just didn't realize but despite me trying to screw you up francisco ah. you got it correct well done thank you that's two points carpenter was able to convince new york city officials to give him and his crew access to liberty island where they were able to freely film under the statue escape from new york became a cult classic and inspired movie makers like james cameron and jj abrams in their work the movie and more particularly the character of snake Plissken inspired the Metal Gear video game franchise and the character of Solid Snake. This fact came as quite a surprise to me. Sorry, I just wanted to play that sound. <laughs> yeah. And I believe James Cameron actually worked on one of the matte paints for Escape from New York. And that's like, that's there a connection between James Cameron and John Carpenter. Bonus Wait, fun he fact. He painted it or he filmed that scene with the No, no, he, he was like, his he was doing special effects work and matte paints and stuff. That's why I remember I could be misremembering, but I think the only reason James Cameron did the matte painting on that is because CGI didn't exist back then. Otherwise, he would have turned the World Trade Center into a giant blue cat, I think, had yeah, probably given the opportunity. Probably. Yeah. Right. Snake said, paint me like one of your French girls. <laughs> 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 Sorry, that's my favorite joke of the episode, I think. <laughs> okay, so the score is Paul with the power has nine points. And Francisco is only one point behind with eight. As we go to our final set of questions, Paul, you get to pick between these two. Will it okay. be wax on, wax off, mm. which is a movie question? Or will it be cinema sound check, which is a head-to-head -head challenge? Oh, that sounds fun. I want to go with Karate Kid, but, and, <laughs> but you know what? I'm going to go for the challenge and maybe give Francisco a, a shot of winning this. I feel Thank bad you, for him. I, wow. <laughs> You're welcome. We'll see if you regret that decision. <laughs> yeah, I will. So let's 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 do it. Is this more NES games? I think we should go back to that. <laughs> no, head to head, please. Okay. For this question, I will give you up to eight titles of tracks for a musical score of a popular movie from Generation mm. X. And you need to tell me the title of the movie that it's from. Okay. Movie scores are usually instrumentals with obscure titles, and that should give you the hints that you need to name the movie. We will go back and forth between each player given a new movie on each turn. Two points will be awarded to the player that gets it correct on their turn. So it, as a side note, I'd like to say that our guests have been getting these within the first couple of clues again. Yeah. So that upsets the judges. So we have made this game 69% harder than in previous episodes. Are you regretting your choice, Paul? Not yet. Okay. Here's some okay. clues for you. IMDB lists this as an action horror sci-fi film. Oh, no. It was rated R. And it was released when Francisco was seven years old in 1988. Here we go. Paul, this first clue is for you. The song is called Coming to L.A. Oh, it'd be really good if I knew. Judges, uh, would it be really good if you knew? Okay. <laughs> that checks out. Okay. Sorry. I, I've given myself a little pep talk. Um, I'm going to say uh, Predator. Predator is incorrect. That's okay. So, Francisco, ball's in your court. Song two is called commercial break so we have commercial break and coming to la and you will piss off the judges if you get it right here i feel like this was this is earlier in the 80s but i'm gonna guess the running man the running man is 
mm-hmm. incorrect okay. as well. All right. It's okay. Back to you, Paul. Song three is called Back Alley. So we have Back Alley, commercial break, coming to LA. Blade Runner? That's a good guess, but it's incorrect. <sighs> I see where you're going with that. Back to you, Francisco. Mm-hmm. See if you can get it on this one. Song four is called A Message. What does A Message, Back Alley, commercial break, and coming to LA all have in common? They Sci-fi. Voltron together to make what right. movie? Oh, 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 okay. Thank you. That's not helpful at all. <laughs> uh, I did mention this was 69% harder. Yes, it is. Um, I'm glad I'm not the only one get, not getting this. <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll say Total Recall, but I think that's the oh, 90s movie. Total Recall is incorrect. Nice. Good guess. Yeah. Except it's not back to Mars. It's back to L.A. Get your ass <laughs> no, to but... Mars. Get your ass yes, to Mars. Yes, I know. Get your ass to Mars. I have to make a guess. Get your ass to Mars. Get your ass to Okay, Paul, back to you. Get your ass to Mars. Song yeah. five. We've never gotten to all eight songs, by the well, way. Well, you know, we want so to make really the right happy now. for one. Yeah, exactly. You know, I am the key, I am the key master here. We're here to please. <laughs> yeah. Song five is called Wake Up. Wake Man. Up. A Message. Back Alley. Commercial Break. Coming to L.A. And it's not Total Recall. Wow. No. Nope. Um, all right. I have to get this because if I don't, Francisco will. Um, Especially after up. the next clue. Yes. Wake up a message, commercial break, coming to L.A. It's probably a movie I haven't seen because this is not my genre. I <sighs> Nightmare on Elm Street. I know it's not sci-fi, but I'm just mm. taking a stab in the dark. I don't know. That stab missed. Yeah. Good luck next time, Freddie. <laughs> <laughs> Can you get it with this song six? I think that's the longest we've ever gone out. It's song six. It's called Sunglasses On. Yeah. Sunglasses On. Wake up. A message. Back alley. Commercial break. Coming to LA. It could only be. They Live by John Carpenter. That is correct. Oh, my gosh. I barely even heard of that movie. So that's 10 points for you. And you've just stolen the power back, Francisco. 10 points? <laughs> 10 to 9 is the score. The last oh, two. Te- I thought you yeah. were adding no, 10 no. points. That's a 10-pointer. <laughs> that's right. All that for pleasing the wow, judges. It's like two all points. The- judges, are you pleased? No, the judges are very happy right now. Nice. To get to song six, that's great. Here's the last two song titles. If you didn't uh, get it by then, the last two was All Out of Bubblegum. Hmm. And if you didn't get by then, uh, song eight was They Live Main Theme. <laughs> I would have gotten it by then. <laughs> oh, good, Paul. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. See, everyone gets a chance to win. <laughs> Here's a very fun fact. They Live is the John Carpenter classic film that follows an unnamed drifter played by WWF star Roddy Piper, who discovers, yeah. through, spe- who discovers through special sunglasses that the ruling class are aliens concealing their appearance and manipulating people to consume, breed, and conform to the status quo via subliminal messages in mass media. For years after the film's release, and even on the movie's DVD commentary, Roddy Piper maintained that the film was based on an actual incident in the 1950s in which a company manufactured a TV that planted subliminal messages in women's brains, instructing them to make extravagant purchases. Piper was unaware that, in reality, he had seen a French mockumentary comedy short film called La Affaire Bronsoui uh-huh. <laughs> in 1978, uh, which Piper thought was an actual documentary film. Ah, okay. Okay, Francisco, here's your chance to really run up the score. And yes. Paul, 10 more l- points. <laughs> and Paul, your last chance to steal the power back, unless you go for the power struggle. 
This question is called Wax On, Wax Off, Francisco. The The Karate Kid was a sleeper hit and major critical and commercial success. This instant classic not only launched the whole franchise that is still continuing today with the TV show Cobra Kai, but also is credited for making karate popular in the U.S. The movie is also credited with reviving Pat Morita's career. The role of Mr. Miyagi let him be seen as a serious actor in spite of his roots in comedy. Here's the question. Before he was in The Karate Kid, on what popular Gen X sitcom did Pat Morita previously have a reoccurring role? Taxi. Final answer. Take no, 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 no. Not ha- no, that wasn't a final answer. I was, I was just, I was doing like Paul. It was actually Happy Days. Hey. Judges. I was, I was trying to be like Taxi. Got it. He no. took a taxi to the set. <laughs> yeah, of Happy Days. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. Judges. Yeah, I'll be honest. I said taxi, then I realized no, it's actually happy days. So yes. So we're gonna give you a strike on that. That is incorrect. That's fine. We're not saying it's happy days, Paul, Hmm. but you can steal it and get the power back and get a point. Tie the game and steal the power with the correct answer here. Correct answer is without any multiple choice, he played Arnold on happy days. That is correct. (sighs) What a turn of events. Right. Well done, Paul. Should have been so arrogant. Yeah, that's that's what that's what pride will get, kids. Hubris <laughs> will be on your undoing. Stay in school, maybe. Train, say your prayers, eat your vitamins, be true to yourself, true to your country, be a real American. At the buzzer, Paul. Congratulations. I think Francisco gave it to me because I'm an actual Gen Xer. I didn't. I was like, oh yeah, this is taxi, but that's Christopher Lloyd and Dan DeVito were in the yeah. taxi. Yeah. Right, right. I get Christopher Lloyd and Pat Morita mixed up all the time. Yeah, no, what, whatever, Francisco. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> yes, Happy Days was the correct answer. Pat Morita played Matsuro Arnold Takahashi, the owner of Arnold's Drive-In, who also moonlights as a martial arts instructor. Morita had to audition for the role of Miyagi five times before getting the role, as the producers wanted a serious actor and not a comedic one. Morita went on to earn the movie its only Oscar nomination for his performance as Mr. Miyagi. If he would have won, it would have been the first time an actor of Asian descent to win the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor. Oh, wow. Hey. Instead, it went to a supporting actor for the film, The Killing Fields, who is also of Asian descent. Normally, when we talk about someone having a bad break, we play this sound. (laughs) But to honor Pat Morita here, uh, we'll be playing this one instead. (laughs) So, Paul, you come from behind to steal the power, win round two. And that means you're going to go first in dysfunctional family. That's what Gen Xers do. (laughs) Congratulations for winning round two, Paul. For winning round two, we will banish your opponent into the Phantom Zone. No! <laughs> and you and I will take a secret trip to the prize vault where you're going to be selecting the prize that the two of you will be playing for in the final round. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Kid Video will return after these messages. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from, and subscribing for future episodes. 
The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth amongst friends. So if you're so inclined, please help spread the word about podcasts and share that and make me laugh and and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. You're welcome. We now return to Kid Video. Okay, Francisco, we're going to listen to the power struggle one more time. This is your last chance to steal the power back before we go into round three. Let's give one last listen to the power struggle. Wake up and smell the coffee, you fossil. (laughs) My mistake. I thought since you looked like Yoda, you were also wise. You Texan? You look like a Texan. That will make you Frank Ducks. No, no, no. It's Dukes. Gotcha. Like put up your Dukes, right? So frustrating because I know four of the five. Whoa, it's, you know four of the five? Wow. Yes. It's that drums one in the middle that I don't know. Oh. You mean the musical one that yeah. everyone listening knows, but you a don't? song. Can you imagine? <laughs> I don't know a song. Oh my gosh. <laughs> if it was a weird out drum drum kick, you totally get this. That's yeah. the only one I do know. <laughs> <laughs> we still had our flag. Okay, Francisco. I need your final answer for the power struggle. This is your Hail Mary. See if you can get it right. Okay. I'm going to guess, I guess, Burger Time, not Doogie Howser. You're right. It's not Doogie Howser. <laughs> well, I think that's Doogie Howser's friend. So Doogie Howser's friend show. Uh, then we'll say not uh, La Bamba uh, squared. And then we'll say uh, the Dukes of, of a Biohazard and Naked Gun. Judges? So close. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Really close. Don't patronize me, Zabe. <laughs> I'm sorry, Francisco, but that is incorrect. That means we turn this over to listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim the prize package. Good luck, listeners. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying mm. that you are doing your part to save Generation X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going in our Gen X yearbook and our brand new website. Next is perhaps the best item in the prize package. You will get to watch Richard Simmons Sweat into the Oldies, Volume 1 from 1988 in your very own home anytime you want. Whoa. Sweating is optional, but ignoring Richard Simmons is not. Trust me. And finally, we'll send you your choice of any Who Will Save Gen X t-shirt design from our merch store. Woo-hoo. To enter for a chance to claim your this generous prize package, you can join our newsletter and there will be a place for you to send in your answers. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode or by visiting our website at whowillsavegenx.com. Good luck. You're going to need it. Okay, so we are going to whisk you, Francisco, to the Phantom Zone. Paul, let's take a secret trip to the prize vault. I'm still here. round three round three is a prize round called dysfunctional family feud in this final round i will ask the same five survey questions family feud style to each player in turn and they will need to respond with what they think are the most popular responses from the gen x timeline that's the 70s 80s and early 90s these are actual survey questions taken from actual people from generation x that have been quizzed by the show via facebook and our newsletter so not you francisco not you 
The player who has the power gets to go first with player two unable to hear their responses. Player two will then have to give responses to the same five questions and beat the other player's score without duplicating any of their answers. Whoever ends up with the most points wins the game and goes on to claim a chance at their prize that the winner of round two has selected in secret. Listeners, if you'd like to take part in dysfunctional family feud surveys, sign up for our newsletter today and there will be a spot for you to reply to upcoming surveys and get your answers on the show. Let's play dysfunctional family feud as we put Francisco back into the phantom zone. I'm coming for you, Kal-El! Wait, Burrell! Did you say Purell or George? <laughs> okay, Paul, I'm going to read you these five survey questions. Your time will begin. Okay. After I finish reading the first, the first question. Everyone knows that Gen X lived during the golden age of TV theme songs. Yeah, we did. But what was the worst TV theme song during Generation X? Oh, my gosh. Worst TV theme song. They're so good. What's a bad one? Mash because suicide is not painless for those of left behind. <laughs> <laughs> Name a popular video game mascot from our youth. Mario. Name something you had in your home in your childhood that you don't need anymore because now it is on your phone. A uh, maps. I wanted to say phone, but I don't know if that counted. <laughs> <laughs> Question four. Name a good movie to watch on a first date during Generation X. Uh, Back to the Future. And finally, right up your alley, what is the best song by Prince? Uh, Doves Cry. People will say Purple Rain probably. Oh, well. Okay, let's bring Francisco back in. All right, Francisco, I'm going to ask you the same five survey questions I asked Paul. You may not okay. duplicate any of his answers. If you do, you'll hear this sound, and I'll ask you to give me another answer. So it's a little bit more difficult, so you're allowed two passes. Make okay. sure you use your passes. Don't waste them. Your time will begin after I finish reading the first question. Everyone knows that Gen X lived through the golden age of TV theme songs. But what was the worst TV theme song during Generation X? Murphy Brown. Name a popular video game mascot from your youth. Uh, Mega Man. I should have said, make sure you think of the most popular answers of what people might say. Not your own personal feelings. Well, I'll saying. redo that, but... If hey, can want... I redo mine? <laughs> <laughs> Just to let you know as we go on. Okay. All right, all right. Name something you had in your home in your childhood that you don't need anymore because now it's on your phone. Uh, a rotary phone? Stole your answer, Paul. I know. Phone is on your phone? <laughs> what? Oh, do you need a phone anymore because your phone is on your phone. Yeah, no, no, it's fine. Okay. Just, we're just teasing you. Francisco. Oh, my gosh. He's trying to rattle you. Don't let him rattle you. <clears throat> Name a movie to watch on a first date during Generation X. Uh, Sleepless in Seattle. That was my first date movie. Uh, my Aww. first girlfriend ever did. You know what I mean? Not, not sign them all. I, I ever did. I didn't mean it that way. It was my first <laughs> girlfriend I ever went on a date with. That's yes, what I yes. meant. That's, that's why I cool. Right? Yeah. Didn't make the survey, but still. Dang it! Moving, I'm, just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'll find out in a second. I'm sorry, Francisco. We're saying too much chatter. No, no, it's fine. It's, yeah, using up my time here. Yeah, time's taken away. Wait for it. Okay. You lack discipline. What was the best song by Prince? Purple Rain. Now we're having fun. Okay, I asked you. Everyone knows that Gen X lived in the golden age of TV theme songs, but what was the worst TV theme song during Generation X? Paul, you gave us MASH, oh, really? which gave you 10 points. Oh, wow. Good job. Well done. I was on the board. I'm surprised. Yeah, me too. 
Mash to me always signaled the whenever I heard that theme song always signaled the end of afternoon cartoons. Yes. Uh, yeah, depressing. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not only was the song depressing, it was also like, oh, I can't watch any more He-Man or yep. G.I. Robotech. Joe. You have to watch real life G.I. Joe. This is boring. <laughs> <laughs> Francisco, you gave us Murphy Brown, which unfortunately did not make the survey. Yeah, I'd be surprised if it did. The number one answer was small wonder. If you remember oh, that. Oh, she's uh, that's the robot girl, wonder. right? Yeah. I like that one. It's a lot better than Murphy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we get information for these surveys via our newsletter, as I said, and we get some interesting replies. So yeah. I'd like to give some honorable mentions to some of these entertaining answers. Honorable mention goes to the person who is either the youngest Gen Xer or had kids early and voted for the TV show Barney and Friends. Yeah, the judges kicked out one person from our group for voting for the greatest American hero as the oh, worst theme song. What's a great believe song. it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message <laughs> at the beep. I might be out or I'd pick up the phone. Where could I be? Believe it or not, I'm not home. Beep. Judges, can we get bonus points George, just for that? I know you're screwing your calls. <laughs> <laughs> Rounding this out, but the top honorable mention has to go to the one vote for the worst theme song for the show, 60 Minutes. I'm Mike Wallace. I'm Morley Safer. I'm Diane Sawyer. Those stories and Andy Rooney tonight on 60 Minutes. Yep, that's good. Pretty bad. So the next question is, name a popular video game mascot from your youth. I don't know why I went with Mega Man. It's not bad. Yeah. Paul, you gave us Mario. Yeah, that's top, I'm sure. That was the number two answer worth 30 points. Two? Sonic beat it? What's number one? Yeah, maybe Sonic. Francisco, you gave us Mega Man. Which is number one. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) Did not make the survey. What the junk? Sorry. I got to give you the uh, zero sound effect for Murphy Brown. <laughs> just just to remind you. Thanks. Yeah, really, really twist the knife. Thanks, Dave. The number one answer was Pac-Man. Pac-Man, oh. the most popular oh, mascot. Yeah, okay. I can yeah, see Pac-Man that. fever back in the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. Honorable mentions go to the one person who said green Mario. <laughs> is that like frog mario that's luigi paul oh thank you it's such a popular character they couldn't come up with the name luigi also shout out to the person who voted for the dog from duck hunt <laughs> no matter how much you loved animals uh no one has ever played that that's ever played that game has ever has not tried to shoot that dog at least that's once true. in your life accurate after two questions paul you have 40 points and francisco yet to get on the board yeah Question three was name something you had in your home during your childhood that you don't need anymore because now it's on your phone. Paul, you gave us maps, which gave us three points. (laughs) Me and three other people use the maps. (laughs) Throughout these Thomas guys now. (laughs) Yeah. Francisco, you gave us phone. Wait, you have a phone on your phone? What? No. What kind of black magic is this? Believe it or not, that was the number two answer with 25 points. Oh, nice. At least I'm on the board. Yes. Yeah, good job. The number one answer was, of course, camera. Oh, cameras yeah. Because yeah, yeah. now everyone has a camera in their pocket. Mm. Yeah. Shout out to the one person who said rabbit ears. <laughs> <laughs> I got to get that app on my phone ASAP, I think. And of course, since this is a Gen X survey, someone had to vote for porn. But we know that there's at least one honest person taking the survey, I guess. So was, the he, scores- number, was he number 69 on the list? Ah, ah, ah. Ah. Next question was, name a good movie to watch on a first date during Generation X. Paul, you give us Back to the Future. Booyah. Which only give us two points. Dang it! That's a great say, that's movie a, for a date. It's a great, no, it's not a good date movie. It's a great yes, movie. if you're dating your mom, movie. it's great. <laughs> oh my God. 
Well, two people agree with you, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone knows that true romantics ghosts to see Francisco's answer of sleepless in Seattle. What? Which only got two points as well. Dang it! <laughs> Me and my ex-girlfriend must have uh, done this survey. There are too many honorable mentions to read for this one, as you might imagine. But some of the highlights for the movie to see on a first date include Total Recall. Get your ass the box. Get your ass the box. Strange Brew and Red Dawn. Wow. Wolverines. A lot of romantic dudes out there. There were those who had a motive for choosing Nine and a Half Weeks and The Blue Lagoon as a first date movie. <laughs> but the top honorable mention goes to the one vote for Fatal Attraction as something to see on a first date. <laughs> what? Yeah, at least they're letting their date knows what happens if there's not a second date. So you won't answer my calls. You change your number. I mean, I'm not going to be ignored, Dan. Wow. The number one answer, of course, was The Princess Bride. Oh. It's a sweet right. movie. It's nice. It's for everyone, The Princess yes. Bride. Yes. Everyone can get it. Okay. Oh, wow. Thank you. All right. So it all comes down to what is the best song by Prince? The score is going oh, into the no. final question. You might actually win this. 45 points for Paul and 27 points for Francisco. Paul, you gave us When Doves Cry. Yeah. Oh, that's a great answer. Which is a better song. Right? I think it's a great song, but it but... only gave us 13 points. See? Really? Ending you up with 58 points for your total score. Oh, what a loser. Francisco, <laughs> Francisco, you need 31 points to tie, oh, 32 points to win. You can Come on. It. Come on, audience. Come on, Purple Rain. Rain you down gave us the number one answer in Purple oh. Rain. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. But was it enough? Is it more than 31 points to tie? Oh. What did no. Gen X say? Survey said. It is worth 30 points. Oh! That means you, Paul. Oh. Congratulations, you won the game. I have the power. Doing your part to save Generation X. Well done, congratulations. Well Thank you. I thought you had that. I thought you had that. I surprised. Well, I did. <laughs> so, Francisco, I'm sorry things didn't go your way this episode, but I hope you had a good time. Did you have a good time? Yeah, I'll just go back to the fam zone now. No, this is a great time. Thank you so much, Dave. That was great. Let's go to the prize vault and see what Paul picked and get his prize. Hey, Zabe, I don't know if this matters. I also got that it was a tie and that Paul has the power, so he wins. But I did get a total point score for both of them of 67, oh, not 68. We're good. I was just what was the you know point totals? I got 67 for both of them total. Okay. Ooh, thank yeah. God. I, I got 69 for me. So. <laughs> Honestly, we ought to round up to 69. 69 for both. As one of the judges, I'm declaring it. <laughs> yes. Ricky Stop Moody. it. You're doing awesome. The first item in the prize vault is this handsome Darth Vader light-up snow globe. The globe is hidden inside the bust of Darth Vader's head, and you have to remove his helmet to see a snowy scene uh, inside of it. You'd think there'd be a scene from Hoth inside, but nope. No, life day. <laughs> life day. <laughs> you need right. to insert a Chewbacca sound accord. <laughs> <laughs> um, next, we have a listing from Germany, and the listing is written completely in German. From what I can tell, this is a vintage poster advertising for the second of the three Indiana Jones films. It translates into English as Indiana Jones and the Temple of Death, fitting that Germans would feature this movie of the three, seeing how they are portrayed in the other two uh, oh, Indiana yeah. Jones movies. Nazis. I hate these guys. Weird Al gave out gifts to his VIPs of his latest tour. And one of the items can now be yours if you win this. It is a one pound bag of Weird Al Yankovic brand espresso beans. 
The bag features Al's name and branding on the bag, uh, a collector's item, or a tasty treat. That's up to you. Next, all the way from London, England, we have a vintage pack of Voltron temporary tattoos from 1984. The pack is sealed and includes a stick of vintage gum inside the pack. Yummy! (laughs) The gum has been there for 38 years, but to be fair, trading card gum from this area tasted like it was already 38 years old. That's true. Have you ever had one of those old ones I tried like Mm -hmm. 20 years later and it disintegrated in my mouth? It was so gross. (laughs) Oh, really? I'm not saying all the gum like that does that, but I I would. It was a tie between, I think, the trading card gum and fruit stripe gum. See which one lost its flavor the fastest. (laughs) Uh, Next week, you can own your very own Daniel LaRusso Chia Pet if we win this listing. It is a clay bust of Daniel-san with the vegetation growing out out of his head like hair. Fully grown, this would look much less like Ralph Macchio and more like Bob Ross. Yeah. Shouldn't a uh, bon- bonsai tree be growing out of his Oh, head? that would have been fun, yeah. Bonsai. <laughs> and last in the prize vault is a homemade scene of Jawa standing next to their sand crawler under the tattooing twin suns. It is a mixed medium artwork of paints, cloth, and sand. The artist is 12 years old and is blind. Wow. And this is his, wow. inter- yeah. And this is his interpretation of what this scene might have looked like. How and uh, so I want to witness it. This is, this, yeah, it's, it's really good, really clever, and just, how, I thought this is really sweet. But if he's blind, how did he know how it looked like originally? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming his parents kind of described it or whatever, but it's right. interesting to see what a blind person's yeah. interpretation of Star Wars might look like. His vision was better than George Lucas's. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay, Paul, tell us what item you picked and why. Uh, I picked the Chia Pet because it looked like it could be fun and last longer than uh, gum with the tattoos. (laughs) But you have the Voltron key. Want the Voltron tattoos? No, they're temporary. Oh, that's true. Good point. (laughs) Okay. There's already one bid on this. So uh, we're going to have a bidding war, I'm afraid. We're in the lead at $9.50 with $11 shipping. Wow. What? You know, let's buy our own shit for that. Cost more to ship this than to buy it. Jeez. Paul, if this bid list last, if this bid, mm. what are you talking about? If this bid holds up until the end of the auction, then I'll buy this item for you and have it shipped out to you. Good luck. Hey. Thank you. Who's holding on to these Chia things for so long, by the way? We're holding on to this Daniel LaRusso Chia pet. Someday this is really going to pay off. (laughs) Someday there's going to be a A retro podcast out there that's going to want to buy it. (laughs) Paul, congratulations once again for winning. Why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you? Tell us a little bit about your your projects and uh, let let us know how to get a hold of you. Yeah, I am pauljpowers.com. You can find me at pauljpowers.com. There I have all my social media links. You can see what I'm up to, whether you listen to the this episode when the day this episode drops or five years later on a retro rewind, so to speak. Wink, <laughs> wink. Um, check me out. See what I'm going, what I got going on there. Yeah. And I'll say definitely check out Paul around October times. He does Inktober, does amazing illustration work. He's so great at that. So definitely check out his Twitter or Facebook. During, especially around October. Reach out to me and ask if I found a Voltron yet. I'll, I might oh, let yeah. you know. Yes. <laughs> if I don't answer, it's because I'm flying. <laughs> <laughs> Defending the universe. Yeah, of course. Well, thanks again, Paul. Francisco, thanks to you as well for being on the show. Please let us listeners know a little bit more about what you got going on. Absolutely. First, I want to say thank you so much, Zay, for having us on the show. It was a blast. Yeah. And congratulations, Paul. You're quite the competitor. And I concede that you were actually born in Generation X and I was not. 
Oh, there, wow. Right? You happy now? You An imposter's on the show. I want a real challenge next time, Zane. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I cannot be defeated. I defeat all bad. Soon. I defeat the real champion. Well, I'm, I would be happy to come back for a grudge match. Oh, Apollo versus Rocky style. Yeah. But, yeah, right. yeah. Until then, if you enjoyed listening to Paul and I, then you can check us out every other week on the Retro Rewind podcast where we we review movies and games from 15 or more years ago. We have over 260 episodes all at RetroRewindPodcast.com or you can find them on most podcatchers. We are also part of a network of shows that cover a story, comedy, and geekery called Culture Box. And you can find all those shows at culturebox.media. And thank you for listening. Hoping you are all blessed and stay gen sexy. Ew. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I just want to say real quick on personal note that normally I have friends and family and people I kind of know. We're your family? Oh, it's nice reuniting with you, Zave. I wasn't talking about you, Francisco. I was talking about oh. my regular shows, my regular episodes. Oh. Okay, fine. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to be your family either. Well, let me finish. Oh, okay. Uh, what I was going to say is, but I, I didn't know you guys going in before this episode, but now that I've spent a little bit of time with you guys, you guys are awesome. Like, I want to be friends Aww. with you guys for realsies and like real Thank life. You so much. Like, you, well, you can really check me cool. out at pauljpowers.com. <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, be friends with me there and virtual uh, friends. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Well, seriously, it's been a blast having you guys, yes, and it's you. been one of my favorite episodes already. So uh, thank you yay. so much for being on the show. Well, yeah, thanks for having us. Thank I can't you. believe yeah. that we get to be a part of it because I've heard right? the episodes and I'm like, this is fun. This and is beyond here. This exactly. is fantastic. Absolutely. And oh, I want to say a quick shout to that's our Bobo, Dave Bobke, for introducing us to Zabe and getting this all linked connected. out. Thank you so much. Connected. Yeah. And th- thanks for making that happen, uh, Bobo. Thanks, Bobo the Great. I have two quick shout outs to give. This is our 29th episode. Pales in comparison to your 200 plus, right, guys? But I <laughs> 29, <laughs> dude. <laughs> yeah, I got uh, 40 more episodes to go, right? Yeah, we're um, almost there. <laughs> so I just want to put a little bit of things in perspective for some people that might be listening. So bear with me for a second. So a listener and friend of the show, Keith, wrote to us and pointed out that 90% of podcasts never get past their third episode. Really? Yep. And 90% of those that do make it past episode three quit before they get to their 20th episode. I believe it. So those of you who are listening and thinking about starting up a podcast of your own, all you need to do is make it past episode 20 and you'll be in the top 1% of all podcasts. Wow. That's how numbers work. (laughs) So Keith wrote that? My buddy Keith. Yeah. Hey, Keith, uh, where's the black lion? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he would I know that. I think it's a different Keith. So, listeners, if you think you have at least 21 stories to tell, then let me encourage you to go for it and start yeah. making that podcast today. If you like any tips or uh, encouragement, or whatever, reach out to the show. Like, I, I'd be happy to help you and share my experience with you. It's only a few episodes in, as we said, but if you think it'll help you to do what you want to do and create something and tell a story, then there's plenty of people out there willing to help you. Podcasting community is nothing but welcoming people. It's been my experience, at least, and people who who want to see other people successful. So absolutely. I totally attest to that. And Francisco is a great source. If you have technical questions, he's someone you can reach We're out plugging to. plugging Zabe. I know, but I can't speak for Zabe, but I can speak for you. Oh, well, well, if okay. I was thinking about starting a podcast, I'd go with the people that have 200 plus episodes, not the schmo that has 20 something. So <laughs> That's that's a good tip.
We'll start with Zabe. And if he can't answer your questions, he can forward it to yeah. us. So shout out to you listeners for keeping us going on this long. Your support through Patreon has been greatly appreciated and helped us grow to where we are today. We want to continue to grow and always be looking forward to the next person to answering the challenge of becoming a Patreon supporter of the show and doing their part to save Gen X from being forgotten. Which brings me to my second shout out. Shout out to our newest supporter on Patreon, April. Thank you so much, April, for supporting the show and stepping up to the challenge of saving yeah. Gen X. Yes. Tell us where those turtles are, please. <laughs> No, we'll save the turtles and Gen X. Thank you, April. Yes, good job, April. You're certainly doing your part to save Gen X here. Here's the sound drop that the judges chose for you that we think you'll especially like. You are a true wizard now, as you always wished. Does it make you happy? Well, men don't always know when they're happy, but I, I think so. And you? I'm a little afraid to go home. I have been mortal, and some part of me is mortal yet. I'm no longer like the others, for no unicorn was ever born who could regret, but now I do. I regret. I am sorry. I have done you evil, and I cannot undo it. No. Unicorns are in the world again. No sorrow will live in me as long as that joy, save one. And I thank you for that part, too. Farewell, good magician. I will try to go home. Thank you for checking out the show. We know you have a vast ocean of choices in your podcasting enjoyment, and it is simply amazing that you chose to spend a little time on our show. Thank you. If you like what we're doing here and you'd like to contribute directly to the show, we have a Patreon account set up at patreon.com slash who will save Gen X. At our Patreon site, you'll find special offers for becoming a contributor to the show. So take advantage of those if you are interested, just like April did. If you'd like to head over to who will save Gen X.com, you can learn about all the ways you can do your part to save Gen X from being forgotten. If not, please consider us next time. If not, go to pauljpowers.com. If you can't spend time at genx.com, please go to pauljpowers.com. One or the other, we're all good with it. Yeah. But if you're feeling like a slacker at the moment, you can just email me and I promise to write you back with all the details you want. You can reach me or any of the judges at whowillsavegenx at gmail.com. In either case, thanks so much for listening. Slacker! Well, that's it for this episode. Thanks again for checking out the show. We welcome you to share it with that special Gen Xer in your life and subscribe to future episodes where we will once again ask the question, who will save Generation X? Later. Me, 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 me. You stepped on my later. I know I did. <laughs> later. <laughs> <laughs>
It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty that means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big.